Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. Tonight on the podcast, we welcome an incredible group of Guardians. We do quite a bit in the Destiny community, from their humble beginnings as the Saint-14 Project to becoming an organization that has set an example for the Destiny community, helping Guardians through mental health awareness, fundraising, community, and podcasting. Guardians Mental Health is a nonprofit organization that is responsible for amazing initiatives like the Guardians Mental Health Ambassadors Program, the RTS Bot, and most recently, their partnership with Bungie to create and share their industry-first Guardians Mental Health Health Kits, providing practical mental health support for Guardians everywhere. I'm really proud and excited to welcome the founder and executive director, Joseph, and Dr. Williams, the vice president and program director of Guardians Mental Health. Thank you both so, so much for joining. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, for real. Well, thanks for having us. Beat you to it, Doc. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> it truly is an honor, and you all do such amazing work in our community, and you are a testament to what this Destiny community is all about. I'm a big fan of all that you do, and I'm excited to welcome you and invite you on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. We're going to get to know you both a little bit more, and we're going to learn about what you do who you are, and all of the great things that you do in the community, and a little bit more. Sounds great. Absolutely. So to kick things off, how did you both get started in the Destiny community? How did this crazy journey begin for you both as Guardians? Ooh. Doc, why don't you answer that one first? I want to hear, I want to, I like your story. You like my story? Sure. Uh, so I've always been a, a big gamer, and Back in what was it? Back in 2014, I saw the uh, E3 PlayStation uh, conference, and Bungie and Destiny were were featured there. And hadn't really followed much in in terms of Destiny at that time, but looked at that that demo, and it just caught my eye. It just gave me that feeling of kind of all of the types of games that I really like to play combined into one. So I kind of rushed to get a alpha key and I was lucky enough to be able to get into the Destiny 1 alpha in I think it was July 20, 2014. So I played the alpha, the beta, and I've been playing ever since. And when it comes to transitioning to what we're doing now with Guardians Mental Health, um, I'm a licensed psychologist, so I've always been interested in mental health and psychology. And uh, I think it was in December 2017, like I was saying, uh, Joe and a couple of other people had started the St. 14 Project. And they had sent out a tweet where they, they're saying, Destiny Community is going to help out uh, raise, uh, raise money for another mental health organization. So I thought that was just right up my alley. So I sent them an email saying, hey, I, I'm a finishing up my doctoral uh, degree in clinical psychology. I really like what your mission is. I really want to help out. And uh, I've been here ever since from the start. What's a true story? <laughs> He's always been a vital part. Um, really? How did you get an alpha key? <laughs> That's more. I'm sorry. I, I was, I'm more focused I was on that. Lucky. It's like, how did... 
I that was lucky. lucky. I, I was on my phone. I think it was on my phone at that time during the conference. Say, oh, sign up for the alpha key after this. I just logged on directly and, and hit send. And I was lucky enough to, to get chosen for the, the alpha key. Nice. Nice. Because the beta was essentially the same thing as the alpha, just a little less buggy. And it was essentially playing in the Cosmodrome and playing one strike and a couple missions. Yeah. And Alpha and Beta, I was saying, oh, Titan, it looks like Master Chief, Soldier, right up my alley, didn't try any of the other other classes when the full game releasing. Nope, I'm going to go Warlock. And I've been a Warlock ever since. So you're you're gonna laugh because I've been a warlock since I would say Beyond Light. That's when I started playing Warlock. I would say probably because of by choice. Uh because I feel that my hunter wasn't doing enough. <laughs> so <basically, laughs> you just broke every hunter's heart. Just I'm, like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I will always be a hunter main at heart. Um the hunter subclass will always be very special to me but i do feel that something happened with the hunter subclass where it became i don't want to say completely ineffective but every time i entered an endgame activity everybody would tell me bring your warlock and i'd be like well my warlock's not leveled up enough so i gotta do this so eventually i broke down and i made my warlock and i never looked back but um Oh, this season 3.0 with the warlock and devour it's oh it's it's glorious because i've always been void warlock and this season is just oh it's music to my ears guys you're killing me you're killing me oh i have this new build with grenades it's (laughs) i showed it to matt the other night he was just like flabbergasted in terms of like explosions everywhere love that so joe how did you get started how did your journey begin as a guardian? I uh, I actually didn't uh, didn't get lucky enough of getting an alpha key. I just saw it. I was walking when Destiny was about to release, and I ended up uh, getting a beta code from my brother-in-law. And I jumped on, and I didn't know anything. And it, it was I used to play World of Warcraft a lot. And I'm like, well, you know, what are what is all the different classes and this and that, and I remember I was playing with my brother and he goes, well, the Titan is like a tank. And I'm like, I'll take that one. And (laughs) I've been a Titan ever since I have barely. If you could measure the amount of time I've spent on other classes, it might be one or two percent. You have two Titans. I do. I have two Titans, (laughs) even though I can't like double my reward drops anymore. I don't care. I still have another Titan. Um, I love them to death. I, I love my Titans. Uh, I've I've always stuck with it. And uh, I think it's just a lot of fun. I love the supers and everything that come with it. And I got into that and um, I've never really gotten into a game as much as Destiny because in Halo, you had you had multiplayer. So you had like couch co-ops, you know, on like Halo 2, you know, a buddy would come in parties or you know, when the internet got strong enough, you could all do the mission together. And it was that or PvP. So with Destiny, it's like you can have more interactions with other people. 
and I saw how how much like the level of like socializing was in Destiny. Uh, I thought it was really cool. And that was the first thing that actually brought me to uh, Twitter <laughs> because that's where a lot of the communities and stuff were talking. Like you could meet other people that play Destiny. It was like wild to me. And I jumped on there and I ended up, I think the first clan I ever got into way at the beginning, I think it was either Dads of Destiny or Crucible Radio, one of the two. But I was a member of both of them. And then I just started, I got into Discord and all the chats and everything and just kept making friends and building relationships and having a lot of fun with people. Because now I had like friends to play with online on a regular basis when like my close friends were like busy doing something or out doing this and I'm out of town working or something like that at the time uh, I could jump on and, you know, Hey, does anybody want to run anything? And there was always somebody there and I thought it was wicked cool. So yeah, I, I've been a Titan and playing since the beta and I've never looked back. I still play every single week. I've, n I don't think there was one time that I miss playing at least once a week, even through the lowest of the low times when there was nothing going on, I was still logging in and playing something. But that's just me. I just I just love the feel of Destiny. I think it's a great game and there's a lot of opportunity. It's cool to see where it's come from and where it is now. It's it's an excellent uh, experience for sure. It's been fun. It's like seven years of my life right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to see how how long it's been out. That's crazy. Yeah, it is insane. Because the only other game that really, or it, well, series that really took that much time for me was like the Battlefield series before like Destiny really came out. So playing like Battlefield Two, uh, well, Bad Company Two, Three, and then Four, and it's just a completely different experience playing Destiny. Because yeah, it, it's a shooter, but it's the lore within Destiny um, because in D1, the lore was rather hidden. And during like breaks I had at work, I would read some Grimoire cards and that's where that fascination for the, the series really took off for me. Let's put it this way. I think the story in the Grimoire largely in Destiny 1 was on the website. It was on the site and you, you know, see the Grimoire and the lore that's pretty much accessible there. In Destiny 2, I think the lore is much more front and center in the game. And I really, really love that. I really love that emphasis on storytelling, environmental storytelling that we're seeing from season to season. I really, really enjoy that. And it's interesting you mentioned, you know, you both got started in the beta in Destiny. I would say for me, Destiny was kind of an accidental game really crazy to think that because i was a call of duty fan back then and i i played halo quite a bit you know with halo reach and halo 3 but i switched over to call of duty and i played zombies and i thought you know when the new call of duty game comes out i'm gonna play that and destiny is going to be that in-between game that i play in september for a month nope did not happen uh, the coolest thing that I got from my Call of Duty purchase in 2014 was an emblem called Blacksmith. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that shader. 
that shader as well everyone was wanting to have that shader it's i i will never forget the day when my friend texted me and was like you know that shader is selling for like 200 bucks on ebay and i thought you know that that's nuts that's absolutely crazy and i thought it was the coolest freaking thing i never took that shader off in fact if i go into my destiny one account i probably have that shader on across all three characters that's the one thing that I really miss about Destiny 1, that freaking blacksmith shader. Was good. And, and Destiny was one of those only games where you would get all of these cool little special things. EV Tumblr. You got it for pre-ordering the, the first expansion. I think it was like the Taken King. <laughs> you got a really cool ship. I still remember that. You know, like these little things that really... Yeah, the uh, first sparrow that you were able to do like uh, aerial tricks on. Yep, yep. And who remembers the Iron Gallerhorn? Oh, I remember that. I have a, I have a, I have a full sized one too. I got one from GameStop. I went into GameStop and I saw it, and I'm like, I must have this. I don't know why. I'm a grown man with a toy yeah. gun. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Embrace no, it. No, there's not. Have you seen my office? Come on. I have not. <laughs> have you seen Doc's office? Too. Oh Mine too. Doc's, he's got a collection of like, he does. It's it's no joke. Um, He's got an ode to pop culture in like his entire office. I have a like, Batmobile awesome. wall. I love that. I, like I was saying, I, I have a display case with pretty much every live action Batmobile uh, in 124th scale. That's awesome. Did you grab the uh, the statues that Bungie released with? Uh, I want to say 3A was the company that they uh, did the collaboration with. I don't have those ones, but I have the McFarlane figures. Those are really nice, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do have those and um, really well made. And then the Numskull Games, they actually just released a new Sabathun statue, and yes, I broke down and I got it because Bungie. <laughs> I that have looks to. like a big one. <sighs> it does. I'm gonna have to make some space, but we'll we'll get there. We're gonna figure that <laughs> out. So I'm curious, how did Guardians Mental Health get started as a podcast, as an organization? I know you all got started as something a little bit different, the Saint 14 project. Um, how did that all come to fruition you're absolutely right and that was actually kind of wild to see that like uh nodded to in the in the show notes and everything it was like wow team 14 project you're going back some years now he did um he did homework yeah, he did i was very proud of that no uh yeah same 14 project started um way back as a movement back in during taking king and it came about um with the first uh, initiative with focusing on mental health in the gaming communities, you know, specifically the destiny community uh, was playing raids and activities with your friends every single week. You know, you had everybody in, you know, D1 can remember you had raid teams Tuesday night. You would raid with doc, you know, Friday night you would, you know, uh, you would raid with Justin, you know, Saturday night you'd raid with everybody, you know, and you'd run alts and everything. But during that time, uh, we found that you developed relationships with one another and you could actually pick out how somebody was feeling by their voice. You got to know them so well. 
um, even through this medium where you're not sitting across from somebody, it's over the internet. So you don't have, you know, you can't visually see them, but you can hear their tone, their difference in their tones and uh, certain uh, clues that they weren't, they were kind of struggling a little bit. So it started out with checking in with one another, you know, giving people, uh, friends and other people, a safe place to open up and share what's bothering them, uh, to kind of normalize talking about our troubles and what's affecting us and mental health, uh, especially. So, uh, we got done with a charity stream has always been something we've always done, uh, individuals, you know, all of us together, uh, for other organizations. And it came down to, uh, wanting to represent, uh, mental health more in the gaming space and support, uh, organizations that were making an impact, you know, for, for making a difference in the community for everybody, you know, specifically gamers, uh, you know, rise against, uh, the disorder is a great one. And we began with our first charity stream. We created the group. It's called, uh, St. 14's project modeled after the character, uh, St. 14. And this is going way back. I, I don't even tell this story anymore. Um, and, Doc came on board and we we started creating these safe spaces, uh, giving people an opportunity to access resources and talk about things and then supporting other organizations. And as time went on and we started to evolve, uh, we started identifying areas that were underrepresented in in the gaming space for mental health uh one of them being access to mental health resources and then normalizing you know talking about mental health so with normalizing talking about mental health topics and gaming uh we created uh the, the podcast so that is another avenue to talk about those things and learn something from it and also have a fun conversation you know involving gaming because we're all gamers at heart and you know that's one thing that we're very passionate about and then it was uh, finding solutions and what we could do more. And we saw we started creating some programs at the beginning to make a difference. And as time went on, we saw that we could really do more and more for others and really make a positive impact for others. And we decided to go for uh, our 501c3 nonprofit status, which is a process that is a beast. And I don't recommend it to the faint of heart. Um, it is, it is, it takes a lot. Um, and it is a long, long road. And, uh, we went for that and we got it. We got approved and everything. We created from that the Guardians Mental Health uh, nonprofit was born. And when it was born, we started to take another step forward to uh, bring mental health resources and access to resources to everybody throughout the community in and out um, with coding our first bot, which is called the RTS bot, which stands for Real Time Support Bot. And what that is, is a 20, uh, an on-demand 24-7 mental health and crisis resources bot um, available on Twitch, Discord, and any web browser. So you can access it wherever you are. And it makes it really easy to provide resources on the fly. And then all the resources, there's 140 plus resources on there now. 
Um, and we add more. It's maintained every single week. Uh, we add more resources and all the resources that go into the bot. We don't pull anything from Google. It's not like we go to Google and search all these resources and throw them in like you're throwing it in a night bot or anything, something like that. Every resource that goes into the RTS bot is curated and vetted by our clinical team members, Doc included, um, our, also our AGC director, uh, Matt Learty, who's in chat right now is TAP. Hi, Matt. Um, and then several other uh, professionals as well will all verify and vet these resources to make sure that they are one meaningful resources that can help somebody with next step support or have some meaningful uh, resources available within that link and then two uh or well three uh that it's evidence-based so nothing goes into the bot that is not evidence-based and that is one thing that we're very big on thanks to doc um he always strives for evidence-based resources we want to make sure that people get the right resources that are proven to help um and we created that. That's in over a thousand Discord servers. It's on over several hundred Twitch channels and it continues to grow and we continue to maintain it. And then also uh, with going to conventions, we hosted our first booth several years ago at PAX East. Now, one of the things that I noticed for that that uh, venue was there was a lot of great resources. There's a lot of great organizations out there. Um, and that's one thing you'll find in the RTS bot. We actually highlight other organizations because, and I sound like a broken record when I say this, there is no organization out there that is a one-stop shop. There are so many organizations out there that do amazing things and focused on specific areas that can really make a difference in somebody's uh somebody who might be struggling or might be affected by something so we actually try and bridge the gap between the two so that person can get to the right place for the resources that is best for them for whatever they might be going through so we do highlight other organizations there and then uh while we were at a convention, uh, there was a lot of great resources at other tables, including ours. Um, I think at that time we were handing out resources on how to create your own self-care plan, which uh, yeah, that initial pamphlet that we, yep. we had done that we yep. still have in the mental health kits. <laughs> we do. We do. It's still it's still in practice right now. Um, we were going around and uh, I noticed that when you go to a convention, you get this big fun bag of awesomeness and by the end of the day you have a big bag of awesomeness and paper and there i i was thinking in my hotel room that night man where was that one uh grounding resource and i started pawing through it and then i lost interest and it's like you know what would be great to be able to create a mental health kit that has all these wonderful uh printed resources and you know crisis numbers and everything that uh could be really meaningful to somebody but also go one step further and include sensory items as well uh grounding exercises stuff like that and we started developing the mental health kit program and it started with it was originally planned to be only for conventions um so when we 
were about to launch our mental health kit program, uh, COVID hit, unfortunately. So this was two years ago that we launched it. And about six months into COVID, our servers and uh, we have a partnered uh, Discord server and all of our team members there are all trained in-house. Uh, they're trained through Psych Armor, um, which is a great uh, uh, entry uh, training for uh, focusing on uh, our veteran and military friends and their families, how to communicate with them. And then also uh, in-house peer support training. And then also uh, uh, a lot of our senior team members are also, if they're not already uh, mental health professionals, uh, they undergo uh, mental health first aid training and then more training on top of that as well. So each team member, when you come into our server, they are you know, trained and prepared to have difficult conversations. I just wanted to get that, say that real quick. They, everybody does an amazing job over there. But we noticed there was a real uptick during COVID with how many people were reaching out for support because they're, everybody was locked in. And we made the decision together to take the next step forward to try and help our community, try and help everybody out there who's, you know, going through these lockdowns and begin sending the mental health kits to individuals uh, at their homes since nobody could leave and also covering the shipping as well because a lot of people were out of work, people didn't really have the income and there honestly should not be a financial hurdle to overcome to get access to valuable, you know, meaningful mental health resources. Mental health resources should be something that is for everyone and everyone should have access to them. And that being said, we launched our program and we started sending mental health kits. Uh, we put a request out uh, if anybody wanted one. And over time, the kits have developed and we continue to revise them. Uh, Doc did a Doc and Matt did an amazing job uh, with our the last revision. Uh, so did I resolute. He did an amazing job with the uh, designs and everything and making everything flow. So the kits have evolved in themselves to include more resources, more, you know, self-care tools and opportunities to get access to these at no cost to anyone. And now we are over 8,000 kits sent um, around the uh, United States and uh, parts of the world. And it's been amazing so far. And Everything combined, we still strive to continue to uh, talk about mental health and, you know, make mental health awareness a part of uh, everybody's you know vocabulary and then having those safe spaces. And I could talk for another four hours about the ambassador program and everything else, but I'm going to take a breath real quick and let Doug talk a little <laughs> bit. Sorry if I went a little long winded. Yeah, but one thing you were saying, Joe, um, with the the mental health kits when we were going to launch them we did some some groundwork some research just to see what was available just online and what other people were were offering and we were kind of taken aback as to what was available in terms of how little uh of these types of kits were available and what was there how little of information or elements were inside the kit and how much people were charging for and kind of being a nonprofit and seeing what we were doing was saying, well, we can just give this out for free because a lot of the information that is 
in the kit people can find online somewhere but we're trying to present them in a way with uh, mental health professionals in a way that we are presenting it that's easily digestible that people can read see what it is know how to use it and apply them to their daily lives Mm -hmm. yeah and uh it it actually is kind of disturbing, like you were saying, with putting uh, essentially like gatekeeping uh, mental health resources and, you know, valuable, you know, resources like that. Um, we've seen several uh, situations and places that actually have a form of that. And it's really sad um, to see because you're kind of limiting yourself with the impact you can have, not just for yourself. It's not all about making money. None of us make a paycheck. Uh, we do this because we believe in the mission we set out to do, and that's making positive, you know, uh, impacts across the gaming community for everyone. Make a a better, healthier community for all of us. Um, and if some of these uh, other places put, you know, money in their pocket first, that that just that turns me off uh, on a personal level because uh, I feel like you it, it's it's taking advantage of people who who are in need of resources and you're kind of trying to profit off it a little bit. Um, I'm a firm believer that uh, seeking uh, professional help is definitely a, it's a win in any book. It's great to have an outlet to talk to and to have direction and have that uh, a professional guide you um, for whatever might be affecting you. But when you start like, you know, charging people for, you know, a thousand dollars for like communicating through COVID. Yeah, that's a bit much. I mean, sorry, I'm a little salty in some areas when I see some <laughs> some of our peer organizations. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting because for me, I have never really considered, you know, mental health as being such an important, uh, probably until COVID. Um, and that's when I started to pay attention more. Like I actually started to use meditation more and focusing more on mindfulness. And I have this app on my phone called Calm. So yeah. I've been using it to, to just be more aware. That's fantastic. And to, um, and the mission that you all are standing behind, it's so great. And the fact that it's not about profit, it's about helping people to get to a better place. And when they're not in a good spot, because mental health is really important. And there are people who are suffering from so many things that we don't really commonly stop and think because we may not be going through the same things. Right. It might not be a big deal to you, but it is to this, you know, somebody else, you know, and everybody is affected by mental health in some way, shape or form. Um, no one is excluded of it. I mean, I mean, maybe the gingerbread man, but that's about it. And he's not, you know, he doesn't have a heartbeat, but everybody is affected by mental health, you know, so. And it's something that I talk about every day with clients where it's, they often say, oh, well, there's people that have it worse or it's not that bad. And I'll often reflect to them, well, it's relative. What is significant for me may be easier for you and vice versa. Doesn't mean that it's, it's negating or diminishing what you are going through. 
And another thing that we try to instill as mental health professionals or in any form of healthcare professional, preventative care will always beat reactionary care. Mm. So if we can give the resources and work to help people before they need to come into my office, well, then we're doing something good. So for anyone who isn't really well aware about mental health, why is mental health important? I'll let the doctor well, answer a, that one. <laughs> that, that's a, a loaded question because mental health is health. You can't speak about someone's health without talking about mental health because we function as an organism that is driven by our brains and our limbic system. And that's kind of fueling everything. So if something isn't necessarily going the best or there's something impacting you, your brain is going to impact the entirety of your body. So there, there's a book that I often um, talk about with clients called Why Zebras Get uh, Don't Get Ulcers. It's a fascinating book, it's a large read, but there's a, a good like um, conference on it on YouTube. I think it's that, like an hour and a half where they're talking about the studies and the, the scientific studies in terms of ulcers in terms of what causes ulcers. So it ulcers need two things. It needs kind of that bacteria that causes the ulcer, but also it needs the environment. So the studies were that they uh, gave rats uh, all of this bacteria that would have caused ulcers, but none of them developed an ulcer. But as soon as they started to essentially make the rats' lives hell, so being chased by a cat, never being able to sleep, um, be woken up, uh, bright lights, and everything. Most of them started to develop ulcers because of high levels of cortisol, high levels of stress hormones and impact to their body. And humans are no different. Our bodies tend to be able to go into fight or flight mode and then come back. But because we have our prefrontal cortex and we have the abilities to think about the future and everything that could happen. It's kind of a blessing and a curse. We get stuck. So we mentally get stuck in these situations where our bodies react to it. So if I'm thinking and worrying about something that's going to happen in a week from now, well, my body's going to react to it as it's happening right now. And I have this stress hormone, this physical response that I need to do something to make sure I stay safe and I don't die. Have that for five, 10 minutes. All right, we're good. But have that for hours and days. That's where problems start to happen. That is really interesting. And it's something that I haven't considered in the past because you don't really stop and think about how everything is interconnected. Like you don't, normally think oh well because i don't feel well because i don't feel good in terms of just my mental well-being that it's impacting you know other parts of your health other parts of your well-being that is being impacted by it and i've noticed that for me as an example um i find that when i wake up in the morning if i am happy if i'm positive if i'm energized the rest of my day goes well 
But if I wake up, as an example, on the wrong side of the bed, you know, it, it impacts the rest of my day, my mood, how I feel, and my overall state. So one thing that happens is people tend to have a confirmation bias when it comes to something negative. And it's a survival instinct. We're very good at recognizing patterns. Because if something is off, something isn't quite right, well, it could potentially jump out and kill us. If we go back to the whole evolution route. So if something isn't going quite right, we'll hype, we can hyper-focus on it and we'll discount everything else that happens that's positive. And we'll solely focus on that negative thing and it just spools and impacts our day. But it takes skill and it takes practice for us to recognize that and be able to get past that and work through these thoughts. Is it ultimately affirmation? Like what would you recommend in order to improve one's overall state? So affirmation are, are good things. But the first thing that I usually work with clients is on recognition. Being able to recognize, but not beat yourself up about having certain things, because mental health still holds a very negative stigma. And we're, as much as we at Guardians MH and other mental health professionals, we're trying to break that stigma to change how mental health is perceived or even going to see a mental health professional. It, it still holds a negative stigma. So people will delay, will wait will um, just neglect their mental health until sometimes it's really far gone and they are struggling severely. They turn to either addiction or negative coping strategies or even sometimes attempt suicide. So being able to recognize, being able to be kind to yourself and kind of not beating yourself up just because you had one bad thing uh, that it's ruining your day. And that can take some time that can take practice to work through. Very interesting. And for anyone who is looking to learn more about mental health, are there any resources that you can recommend or point to? I know that you all have a really awesome resource that guardians can access with the mental health kit. Where can uh, guardians find that? Uh, you can actually find that on our website, actually. Uh, you can go to guardiansmh.org, uh, hit the drop down, and you can see uh, we have several uh, several pages on there for our mental health kits. One, uh, our mental health kit program, uh, you will actually see three different kinds of mental health kits. We have our main mental health kit, which focuses more on uh, self-care um and generalized mental health and self-care on that uh, then we also have another one that we collaborate with to write love on our arms which is a uh, fantastic suicide awareness uh nonprofit in the united states to create a suicide prevention mental health kit there's a lot of great resources in there and then also we collaborate with another studio uh, called Social Cipher and created a neurodivergent focused mental health kit. Uh, that one is not open for uh, 
requests right now, but we do uh, welcome people to email us, uh, clinicians and groups and stuff like that. Uh, it's for, you know, larger uh, requests that we we will put that in print and, uh, you know, supply those for, for the individuals. And then also we have another drop down with our new mental health kit that we just launched uh, late last year, uh, our Guardians Mental Health Kit, which is focused on... Uh, supporting the destiny community uh itself uh we collaborated with uh a team over at bungie studios uh it was a wonderful uh wonderful experience and uh mm-hmm. I, I i really loved it and everything came out absolutely amazing they helped us with everything and doc and matt did a wonderful job putting everything together on it and i resolute uh joe nicola uh did an amazing job with all the graphics and bringing it all together and making every resource flow into one another we also took elements from in game and put them in the resources from our uh from our one of our grounding uh techniques uh we took the uh what's what's the perk doc oh you mean the uh, box breathing box breathing that's right or the, the the breathing exercise yeah, we took that one. Then we also modeled a lot of the resources after the mission tabs. So when you look at the mission tabs, the way it's set up and structured, uh, we adapted that into this kit as well. And uh, we even went as far as finding a sensory item that kind of resembles Glimmer. Um, that is under its own tab right now. And uh, it's an amazing kit. We It's gotten an amazing response. Uh, we are doing our best to fulfill every single one of those, but there are thousands. So thank we you. For didn't expect so many requests for it. We're, we're kind of flabbergasted and scared at the same time, seeing how many people were requesting them. Uh, hence why we have the, the digital version as well. So yep. while we're fulfilling all of the physical kits, because all of the physical kits will go out, people can go on the website and download digital one and have all of the resources and uh even the uh, meditation available to them and the physical items and all of the the cars and everything will be mailed out when we when we can yep when we get to that uh person on the request list we go right in order as they're requested so everybody that requested one you will get one um it's just takes our team a little time to get through everything but also in the same sense too it's not uh we do have a small team but also just our vendors are having a tough time uh getting our orders to us in a timely manner uh the shipping and everything has been terrible terrible going on with covid yeah that would definitely impact you know shipping and, and logistics it's been rough we're still waiting on journals right now we've been waiting a month and a half for them so Luckily, we still had some in inventory and uh, several of our team members all across the U.S. um, from California to Florida to New Jersey, upstate New York and uh, Missouri. uh, Your mental health kit will be coming from one of those uh, states and each one carries their own uh, set of inventory to fulfill kits as they come in, too. So it's a group effort, but man it it's not making it easy with trying to get a lot of the sensory items <laughs> it made it pretty difficult it's like we had no problem for a year and a half almost two years and then all of a sudden like right towards the end of this year around october we started really seeing the times get longer and longer and it it definitely put a strain on 
our quickness with fulfilling as many kits as we want. But uh, that is one thing we did want to do too. The digital kits was something that came after the physical kits came because one thing is you can't carry these cards and resources around with you wherever you go. It's, it's, you know, you can't fit them, fold them up enough of them and put them in your, your wallet or in your purse or your backpack or anything. They're going to get crinkled. So we figured what's, what, how else can we bring the mental health kits further? And that was creating a digital companion to go with each one of them. So for individuals who want to have access to those resources, access to those uh, grounding and breathing exercises, access to crisis contacts and next step support, um, we created uh, digital companions to go with every single kit. So and those are all free as well. Um, even uh, our in-house made uh, coloring books. Uh, we have uh, uh, mindfulness coloring books that so many talented artists throughout the uh, community came together and helped helped us create these. And uh, I, I'd be here for another hour naming everybody, but it, everybody has been absolutely fantastic with it. And we've created our own coloring books to accompany each of the mental health kits. But also we put them in digital form as well. So if you want to, you can print them off at home yourself and start coloring right away. Um, there's a lot of great pages. I think the digital one comes with 29 pages of different art and it's absolutely amazing. And so it's, it's really a great thing to be able to open up your phone and, you know, when you're having a moment and you can access that, mental health kit right then and there from your pocket or wherever you are and have access to those resources and the step-by-steps with it. And the meditation um, was something that Doc uh, pitched to Bungie actually, and he's been wanting to do it for a little while now. He mentioned it like early last year and it just kind of like, it's like, that's a sad there and it's a big, a little bit. Yeah right in the middle of a meeting with them. He goes, what do you think about doing an audio meditation? I was like, no, <laughs> and I, I had to, I had to drop it there somewhere. Yeah. And it, it had been something I've been thinking about for a while. And cause, um, I, I use, uh, guided relaxations all the time, uh, with clients and I have some just regular ones recorded. And I thought, why a why wouldn't a destiny one with this kit just be that sherry on top and i was surprised for bungie to to say yes so i wrote the entire script and i was surprised that the narrative team helped kind of flesh out some of the details and yep. fix some little lord little elements here and there and that getting cool. and getting um some big name voice actors to help out uh, like Brandon O'Neill, who voices Crow. He's a buddy uh, then, of ours. He was the first one to say yes. I We messaged him. Yeah. I was like, hey, would you be willing to do this? He goes, I, I am under contract. And we messaged Bungie in an email. And they're like, well, they're under contract with us. It's fine. Go right ahead. You could even <laughs> use Crow if you want and whatever he wants to do. It's like, yes. And that just kind of put that just, oh. So we had Crow, we had Anubis, which is uh, um, a Twitch streamer. And then we had... Um, one of the, the lore masters, Mylan Games, help out as well, and and me just doing the the recordings, and it, it just came out great. Everybody did an amazing job. I love how smooth Anubis's voice is. 
And it's so cool having I, a lot of people have listened to grounded meditations before, and it, it's meant to kind of like project you somewhere else, you know, with your mind, you know, relaxing, you know, thinking of things, meadows, calming things. It was so refreshing and interesting to see somebody taking place, taking part in a grounded meditation, be transported to the destiny universe. If you if you know what I mean, being being in the Cosmodrome, you know, being uh, guardians for so, you know, so many years, you can you know, these places inside now. Yeah, because you can recall the sounds, you can just recall the gameplay in your mind like that. It was absolutely amazing. So that's 100 percent free. You can download it right from the website as well. Um, so there's a lot of resources uh, available on the website that is open to absolutely everybody and everything is 100 percent free. Um, so That's amazing. please take advantage of it. And uh, we also always uh, tell everybody if there is a resource that you find valuable that you think might be meaningful for other people, send it to us. We'll look it over. We'll you know have the uh, team vet it and everything. And. Uh, if if it does turn out, we'll add it to our resources and, you know, be able to share that with more people and have access to it, you know, for others. So we we do our part. That's really awesome. It it helps so many guardians out there and to see it all come together, everything. It just it's incredible what you all are doing. Respect on uh, on that and on a slightly different topic. What would you say? is your favorite expansion in the Destiny franchise? I personally, mine was always Taken King. Same here. Oh, Although Witch Queen is getting up there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Witch Queen is getting up there. It's got the same feels as that did. And that's been something that's gone a long time without having that same kind of feel if if you know what i'm i'm trying to say i mean it's it's good which queen is good taking king King, man that was a different level it was because year one and destiny one as good as it was it it had its problems and taking king was just that departure and then just re almost relaunch of the game that just took it to another level and I think Witch Queen, the the story is is matching or getting close to matching that of Taken King as well. Yeah. I think it's really interesting you mentioned the Taken King because the Taken King to me was probably one of their most ambitious expansions. And if you look at the history of Bungie and how they released content after that fact... I think they realized that like they they did a lot. And I, I think mm-hmm. that after that they had to kind of take a step back and realize, are we able to produce this level of content on a regular basis every few months? Because it, it was a lot creating the dreadnought mm-hmm. as a destination. I mean, that was a that was huge. That was a pretty the raid that we got, I, I think, mm-hmm. was just a testament. Well to their it's work. still one of the best raids <laughs> i agree my heart when they got rid of middle bubble titan though Ugh. oh no <laughs> crush me 
that was the best part of it. <laughs> I will say the Witch Queen definitely has the potential to uh, outshine the Taken King. And I, I don't know if it, if we're there yet, because I mean, it's still a bit early on to tell there's more content that we will uncover as the season progresses. So I'm really excited to see what Bungie delivers as we look back at the Taken King or not the Taken yeah. King, excuse me, the Witch Queen. And it's, I think they've form. hit this, this formula with the season and kind of the, the weekly and bi-weekly content drops and activities where you're always getting this trickle down versus with Taking King, it was, here's everything. <laughs> and people could burn through all of the content. Yeah. And in, in the past week and a half, I don't think I've played Destiny as much in the past week and a half that I've had in like months. Same. And it, I'm still just kind of scratching the surface of everything that needs to be done. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Chewing through it. <laughs> and like the story, the story feels so good. And oh, I can't wait to see where they're going to go with it. It feels to me like this version of Destiny feels a lot like what Halo was back in the day with the campaign and the story. I used to just enjoy playing on legendary difficulty on the hardest form of gameplay that you can. And it feels like we're going back to that with this oh, expansion, with the legendary, legendary campaign. campaign. Witch queen is no joke. Yeah. We were talking about that before the show started. Oh, it was no joke. It was good though. Yeah. Oh, it was really good. It was a challenge because you weren't just blowing through the content. And that last mission, it, it had like four or five endpoints. Oh, this is the final boss. Nope. Oh, this is the final boss. Nope. And just it took me like an hour and a half. Yeah, it was that, uh, that mission on on legendary. It was really unique because you touched on back in the day. And we talked about this before we started recording was uh, back in the day when a expansion came out in a new campaign, you and your buddies would all squad up and go through it together and you would burn through it. I mean, you could wreck any boss, especially if one of your your uh, other fr uh, another guardian was 10 light levels over what the cap of that mission was. You just mad Galahorn. Yeah, or Galahorn, uh, depending on, you know, which expansion. Um, but. This one, they really brought it back to a root where we want people to enjoy this content. So they put in a difficulty modifier where <laughs> if you're on legendary campaign, the more people that join your team means I think I think it was mapped out as uh, if two people, if one person joins you. So there's two of you. The ads are going to be more aggressive and have more health. Um, if you have three people total, so two people join you, they're they, all tanks. They all had more health. They were more aggressive, even more so. And then more ads spawned on top of it, too. So it was just it was like a grandmaster nightfall. Like it was like unbelievably like overwhelming at points because we were playing um, me, you and uh, Irez. At, it took us a while to get to to Savathun, 
and we were struggling with there was three, three people. Us. Yeah. But I was playing solo and beating those light bearer knights was a lot easier on legendary solo than it was with three people. So That's interesting. Kinda, yeah, so it's kind of like Bungie is kind of guiding you to we want you to experience this as the guardian. You know, this is your story, you know, go through it yourself and be rewarded, you know. And it was very rewarding. It, it absolutely oh, yeah. was. And I I have not felt as passionate about a campaign or liked a campaign as much as this one in Witch Queen. I mean, Forsaken was cool. This <laughs> one was on a different level. Like this was like just that engagement, level of engagement, the difficulty, you know, how challenging it was. It wasn't impossible, but it was challenging. You had to slow but all down. of this. Just, we, we just, have to to give roots to taking King because taking King kind of paved the way for Witch Queen with the uh, the Book of Sorrows and the yeah. entire history of the Hive. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's yeah. why I I liked Taken King so much because of the lore and how lore heavy it was. And I think Witch Queen is just piggybacking on that and just adding so much into it. And it, we have to say the entirety of destiny 2 has been working up to witch queen yeah because remember when destiny 2 came out um playing on titan and seeing or hearing about savathun and collecting the lights like oh i remember that from d1 and the book of sorrows and just having this final payoff here is just bravo to the narrative team Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Bungie say that this was the the start of the the final chapter of the Light and Darkness saga? So this yes. is almost like where mm-hmm. everything kind of comes to a boiling point where mm-hmm. everything clashes. And I think the lore has an opportunity to really shine this season and to really stand out above past seasons. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the beginning of the end right here. I mean, eventually, uh, when we get to there's two more expansions after this. Once we get to that point, the the narrative is going to be over. The light versus dark is going to be over. It's not saying that destiny is going to end, but that that narrative of light versus dark. And if you can see they're going, we're kind of blending the two together now. And I'm telling you right now, that Dreadnought is going to play a vital part in what's coming because that weapon that is on board that ship is something that could take out an entire fleet. And I don't think it can be shut down like Rasputin was. I mean, we were all banking. Rasputin's going to protect us. And he went back to sleep. And I don't think that Dreadnought can be influenced like that. So I, I'm... Dude, I got I got my tinfoil hat on. I'm but the going. way that they they've done it, they always said that Destiny was going to be like a ten year endeavor, and that yeah, last exactly. expansion in two years is going to be that tenth year. Let's be modest. We'll call it eleven years because you know you never know. They might push it back. And I'll tell you what, I'm kind of glad they pushed this back a little bit because oh, same here. Studio recognized they need a little bit more time. 
push it back. They didn't do a Battlefield 2042. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kidding. <laughs> Shot <laughs> fired. Uh, oh, Battlefield 2042 is, is tanking. I think they, they are under 2,000 concurrence on Steam on 24 hour. And I think Battlefield 4, which is eight years old by now it has more concurrent players now well i think that you got to kind of measure that with like the call of duty mindset where we need to release something every single year an expansion a new game we have to get that out and that can be translated to a few different things as to why they're doing that but ultimately does your fan does the narrative or does it call for for that like, do you need to have a new game right now? Um, like, I, I like studios that are self-aware and honest. And I'll tell you what, Bungie sets a gold standard for communicating with their community. I mean, their <clears throat> community managers have gone above and beyond. They're on every single, you know, platform for communicating. They take things back to the team. They relay messages back and forth. They're fantastic. They do an amazing job. Their communication skills with their player base is bar none, like something other studios can learn from. And I think that right there uh, really really shows how much like the their player base is behind them. If they say, hey, we have this expansion coming out in October, we're going to push it back till February. 85% of the community is going to understand. You're always going to have a few haters, though. They're, they're, they're everywhere. doesn't matter who you are, where you are. There's going to be a few trolls running around. And, you know, I'd rather them delay a, a video game and release a product that they can be proud of and that we can yeah. enjoy playing rather than rushing to release a game, either having to work unsustainable hours and put their team under unnecessary pressure just so we can have a video game early or get a product that we're upset about. So I think delaying the game was the right move and Bungie does not shy away from making the necessary decisions to make the end product better. And you also mentioned the community team. And I think that the Bungie community team probably does the very best in the business. And it's also a testament to Sony paying, what was it, like triple the valuation of what Bungie's worth. And they're doing it because of a reason, because Bungie is doing things right from Mm -hmm. their community, from their development team to their uh, narrative team, to the music uh, design team. They really do a phenomenal job. And um, it's a testament to their um, work and what they do. So I'm, I'm curious. Bungie joins Sony PlayStation. That was a pretty, pretty big announcement, pretty monumental. It threw me off personally because I remember a time when Activision and Bungie broke up, and part of the reason behind Microsoft it was and Bungie broke up. Yeah, yeah. Bungie's breaking up with everybody. <laughs> but well, here's what was really interesting to me: part of the justification for Bungie leaving Activision was the fact that they were no longer tied to Sony and PlayStation. 
and having that level of exclusivity within that ecosystem. That was part of the problem. So I'm wondering, was this a good decision to join Sony? Well, you got to look at it a couple different ways too. Um, how many people out there said that they would love to see a Destiny TV series or a movie? You know, watching this lore play out, you know, and seeing, you know, how many people go nuts for the live action trailers? They're awesome. Um, people are going nuts for the live action Halo that's coming out yeah. this month. No, it's not this month, is it? I don't know. I, I got, think it's the I end got of the Paramount. Month. I got Paramount anyway, so I'm good. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I like the fact that when this was announced, it was also announced that they have complete creative control over what they have, which means they obviously pitched where they were going with the Destiny franchise. But Sony is not just PlayStation. Sony is also mega huge studios for movies and shows and stuff. And I think what we're seeing is the beginning of that transformation going from the gaming consoles and online gaming to our television sets where in our movie theaters, where you're going to start seeing movies and stuff like that pop up because of this partnership between the two also there's so many youtubers that are already doing this taking the lore and making narrative videos or animations um example is bife and his uh, he just got movie of the week uh for his recent um lore video it's dynasty isn't it yeah yeah that was good. Uh, yeah, I think it's just uh, I think it's just a play on the field right now that they're not really going for being exclusive with, uh, you know, on PlayStation for like PlayStation exclusives and stuff like that again, which could possibly be in the deal. I think it's looking at the long roll, the long road for what comes next. Sony's and, banking yeah. on a lot of multimedia so they have the uncharted movie that came out i still haven't seen it i've been hearing mixed reviews on it and they're working on the last of us yes um which that looks pretty good that's with hbo mm -hmm. yeah so i think i think you're starting to see uh back in the day when we were kids how difficult was it to find a, a a video game movie that was actually good yeah, and I think oh, we're getting to oh, that Mario time. and Doom or the, <laughs> the pinnacle of video game movies. Super Mario Brothers. Come on, man. I, I and, love and that Doom. movie so much, though. <laughs> it was awful, but it was great to me as a kid. Mm. Um, but no, it, I think you're just seeing the beginning of the evolution and what you can see come next. And look at this massive uni universe that they created. I mean, it's so detailed. There's so many different locations and there's so much story to be had. I mean, they could follow a specific guardian every single episode if they wanted to. I mean, it's well, look what what Disney's doing with Marvel and Star Wars. True. Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett are like the perfect example of branching out from the just the standard movies to these amazing shows all we need is lance radrick and uh, i butchered his last name but we need lance and we need john favreau that's it yep. and it's your goal yes. 
<laughs> what do you think? Uh, just bring John Favreau over good. Yeah, and Lance Reddick, we need Zavala. I, I think for me, in the long run, I think this partnership is a good thing. I think there are some potential risks involved mm-hmm. um, in the, I would say, longer term. Over the next five years, I think this is going to benefit Bungie by giving them an influx of revenue so they can hire more. You notice their um, careers team has been really yeah, um, they're very active on Twitter to promote different positions that are available within the company. So I think there's a lot of expansion going on within their internal team to really ramp up not only the production of Destiny as a franchise, but also whatever they're working on next. So I think there's a benefit there. Um, I also think that this uh, purchase by Sony was a strategic play because, I mean, we all know that Microsoft made a pretty big move by purchasing Activision, which is a pretty big... uh, Microsoft owns like a third of the gaming community now. They do. They do. And, you know, Sony had to respond in some way. And I think Bungie, they safeguarded their teams, I would say, over the next five years. But I definitely think that indefinitely, there will come a point where Sony will be in greater control because they own Bungie. So there may come a time when the final say could be on Sony's part you know, and whatever they decide. And that's where I think there could be potential conflicts because the more hands that are involved in a decision, you know, the more complicated that things can become. Uh, And plus, I think that Bungie, while they are maintaining creative control right now, we don't know if that's going to be in perpetuity, right? They didn't really state that. And I don't even know if legally that can be a ground of terms. I'm not sure. But it's definitely very interesting to see this come into play. Um, And it's going to help to bring new mediums into the Destiny universe, like movies, TV shows, but also help Bungie to build what's next. And I'm excited for that as well. Yeah, Yeah, I'm excited to see where we're going to be going. And and I'm sure that kind of the higher ups did put things in the contracts and the negotiations to, to keep that control. We're just going to hope in good faith that it, it kind of stays this way. Yeah, but I'm, I'm excited about the, the future and it's going to be interesting to see what Bungie can create alongside with the support of Sony. Because, I mean, more revenue and money to be able to create more content, that's going to benefit all of us in the community. We're going to have more content to play. And we're going to have a bigger, better destiny experience. <clears throat> so um, I'm curious on a slightly different topic. What do you both do when you're not playing destiny, podcasting, or working on Guardians mental health? <laughs> uh, well, my kids take up well a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, I work, but um, my kids take a, a lot of, of time and I try to practice a lot of self-care so me and my my wife do have a, a bunch of, of tv shows that we like to watch so we kind of have that downtime 
because as parents, we're kind of limited on, on that time. So we try to get that time at least a few hours every night just to sit down and, and relax. And yeah. if the snow can start melting, I'll be heading to the, the golf courses again. <laughs> with your Guardians mental health golf ball that you flex with last year. Damn right. It is so weird to hear about snow now because I'm in Florida, so I don't get snow anymore. But no, I, we had I, like I, I curiously hear month. about it. We had like in January, yeah, the January coming into February, we had like four straight weeks that we had a like 30 to 40 centimeters storm every week. So we ended up like with like nine to 10 feet tall snowbanks. Doc is located in the great, great north of yeah, the great white north <laughs> of New Brunswick, Canada. <laughs> yep. So he uh, he he sees moose and polar bears most mostly. Um, <laughs> no polar he, bears here. They're a little bit more up north, but we see a lot of moose. <laughs> he's always wanted everyone to strive to be legends. You know, don't settle. You can do better. You know, and every everybody is a legend. That's what they want. And that's what he wanted. And man, there yeah. there was a lot of legends that came and out of this campaign. I'm telling you that right now. Um, it, if it was very rewarding at the end, especially when you got that 15, 20 oh, armor. I cannot like, wait to finish oh, yeah. it because probably after the podcast, I'm going to finish that story. And we're going to because I, I, I have to know how everything unfolds, because after hearing what you all said today, man. Um, I need to play and get it finished. And I'll tell you what, the continuation with right after the campaign, uh, like the worm launcher quest that you can continue. Was, so, <laughs> it's it's a borderlands weapon. It, it is so funny because who knew that one of these worms had a personality? <laughs> and it is it's wild to see uh see it talk and everything and that whole thing. But uh do yourself a favor and get the exotic quest for dead messenger because that mission is awesome it's short it's sweet you're invading a bunker and it there's a lot of action that happens in it it's not long but it's definitely um, a really cool mission and that grenade launcher is pretty pretty sweet too uh when you shoot it it shoots waves of uh elemental uh, damage like flames so when you ground you shoot it on the ground it'll do this huge like four waves out and you know a forward direction and just wipe out like an entire horde yeah, coming awesome. out yeah. i'm it's, definitely it's gonna have cool. to check that out for sure and uh i'm curious how was your day one experience playing the game on the first day that it launched on the 22nd Exciting. Very exciting. I launched into the the legendary and surprised at how tough it was. I know we, we've said it a couple times, but just really impressed at how tough the legendary campaign was and how much I wasn't yeah, it, just blowing through the content. It was kind of funny too. The first day we kept going into things and uh we're in we're in another chat with some of our friends uh over at the studio uh 
that you know Matt and John Luke uh, worked with them with providing uh, working with them with uh, some of the mental health resources that you can find on the Bungie site. Um, we kept going in there and going, "My God, this is awesome!" And even they were excited. Like, yeah, we couldn't stop pestering them, saying how how excellent this was of a launch. It was so yeah, smooth. That's the one thing that really so stuck out to me. How almost flawless the launch was i mean the you didn't have to wait a long time to go play the game and the content seemed to load fine i think playstation had some issues uh for part of the day but other than that it seemed like bungie really crushed it from a technical perspective uh but also from that day one gameplay perspective it, it felt like destiny is going back to its roots and that was so so cool to experience that and to get to enjoy that so will you both be playing uh the day mm -hmm. one raid on saturday i won't be able to join the group because of uh irl responsibilities but i'll i'm an alternate in the evening if anyone needs to, to drop out, I'll I'll be able to jump on, on in the evening. So we actually have uh, Guardians Mental Health team uh, doing day one. So Guardians Mental Health will be uh, taking part in day one. I don't think we're going to go for the raid race, but we're definitely going to be uh, when it launches. We're going to be diving right into it. Uh, you're going to have uh, me, our advocacy director, Matt our design lead i resolute um and then also a friend uh Django one uh tate and uh tatted gumby all friends of guardians mental health we played with them numerous times we're all friends and uh really excited to dive into this day one and i love how they launch it on a saturday at 2 p.m because when they launch it during the day i i never used to be able to take part in it because i was working and uh, i would always miss it until later that evening but we're going in there and the cool thing is we're going to try and do uh while we're rating is we're going to uh also be incorporating uh mental health into it as well um healthy things that you can do while you're gaming for long sessions uh, we talked about it on our last episode of our podcast we've been talking about it off and on all week healthy gaming habits and also uh you know things that you can uh you know healthy things to eat and drink you know for you know day one raids and stuff like that um yeah things to try and you know stay away from and just try and blend some uh mental health into day one rating it's it's gonna be a lot of fun my day one rating is going to largely depend on whether or not i can level up to play the day one raid um so definitely going to make an effort to get there but I think for me, um, getting the week one raid is probably more important because I do want to get the raid jacket. So um, that's going to be probably more along the lines of my strategy. Although I might try to day one, but I don't have a whole group yet. So we'll see how that all plays out. Um, but it's going to be exciting to see the new raid unfold. And it's going to be really cool to play something new beyond you know vault of glass that we played since the very beginning so that's going to be also very very exciting to to experience and guardians we have mm. in terms of the destiny to the witch queen 
How would you rate your overall experience so far between one and 10? Right now, again, I would be a solid nine. Same. Nine. Nine out of 10. Just the way that it is constructed, the, the new... Um, the new location, the narrative. Savathun is a really good villain. Or are we the villain? We're not sure. But all of these lore elements that is being tied in just makes for a more enjoyable experience. And I think that's one of the big things within Destiny is the more you get in, involved and uh, being able to understand the lore, the more you start to enjoy yeah. the game. No, absolutely. And I would say for me, having played so far, I would probably give it uh, 9.5. Uh, so far, the Sabathun's Throne World, such a cool destination. I love what they did with all of that. Um, I really enjoy the story and the campaign and hearing about some of the twists and plots, uh, I'm even more excited. So I would say... For me, it's a 9.5 so far with the potential of being an out of 10 and maybe my favorite game of all time. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely keep you all posted on that. And we do have one other thing that we will discuss today, and that is the Bungie Weekly Update. Today's focus is all about the Vow of Disciple World's First Race. Uh, DMG was the community manager who wrote this update i want to say and he had several things to note about the world's first race that we will be playing uh we will be having contest mode uh active again and this is a unique variant of the raid only offered for the first 24 hours capping every guardian at a specific power level to ensure an even playing field. Uh, Bungie announced last week that 1530 would be the power that your guardian will need to be at in order to play this new raid. The raid will be launching on Saturday, March 5th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and the 24-hour raid race will conclude on sunday march 6th at 10 a.m pacific time uh, i'm curious what do you all think about contest mode in destiny in that first 24 hours do you like the idea of having contest mode yeah because uh yeah some people have more time than others to grind out and get up to you know some obscene high power level and they get kind of an upper hand where they can kind of melt through, you know, the ads and stuff like that and be able to do uh, substantially more damage to the bosses for each encounter that having it capped at 1530 kind of like you said, levels the playing field where everybody is competing at the same power level. So there's no real advantages. And it decreases unhealthy grind that there used to be one putting it a week and a half after the initial launch rather than a couple days after the launch and two 
not having to be this obscenely high light level to, to be able to compete. Because mm-hmm. essentially you beat the campaign on legendary and you do a few pinnacles and you're yeah. at 1530. I, I, and I agree. I think the removal of that artificial grind is definitely a positive thing about this contest mode. Um, not having to spend several weeks getting ready for the raid or like the life in the game. I mean, it's, it's good that you don't have to do that. Um, so, uh, and I remember before contest mode was active when literally I would spend weeks collecting bounties, do, you know, doing whatever you could to get that advantage in the raid. Um, so it's really, I think a positive change for them to remove that aspect of the game while still maintaining that ability to play in the first 24 hours if you do want to challenge yourself to a greater difficulty without having to do anything um extra that other players might you know not do to not get that extra advantage now Contest mode, for anyone who is new to contest mode, mm-hmm. contest mode will cap all players at 20 power below the encounter of the raid for the first 24 hours. Artifact power will be enabled, but only provides benefit to players up to the power of 1530. For contest mode, you will want to reach 1530 power by Saturday to have a fighting chance in each encounter. So if you're looking to play the raid on day one, 1530 is your target power level. Uh, some gear items will be disabled in the raid for the duration of contest mode due to general issues that should provide gameplay benefits. Uh, while these items may be used in other activities, perks and functionalities on the following items will be nullified within the vow of disciple raid with additional negative impacts to power level if equipped uh here are the weapons and items to have to look out for the Icolos smg a legendary uh that's one imperial needle legendary bow grand overture exotic machine gun wardcliffe coil exotic rocket launcher and then for armor, we have uh, the Worm God Icarus uh, Titan Exotic Gauntlets, uh, Parent Grieve, uh, Greaves for the Titan Exotic Legs, and Suppressing Glaive uh, Artifact Armor Mod will be disabled if you're looking to enter the Day 1 raid. Any thoughts on these uh, stipulations? No, and uh, take away um, Void 3.0 for Warlocks. Why? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of people are going to be competing with a Warlock, and that's just going to level the playing field and make the Titans the superior. Uh, hey, we so, finally uh, got an expansion <laughs> that makes the Warlocks shine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took they eight shine years. <laughs> Yeah, they shine all the time. Don't give me that. Titans <laughs> have had a stigma on them since like infinite hammer titans in D1. So 
we're always the first to get nerfed. You guys get all the cool stuff. Uh, no, uh, I think it's actually, you know, it's understandable because uh, throughout the week, you if you uh, keep up in any Destiny channels, you'll see that certain things are broken. And I don't mean like broken in a little way. Uh, who was it? It was. Um, Last uh, no, Glade. Uh, he did 3.9 million damage in one punch. In the grasp of uh, in the new dungeon. Um, he it was running Sentinel Titan with a shoulder charge and two one punch with Peregrine Greaves. And he came out and he took a shot and charged and he it hit nine. 999,999 and then on the final screen because it almost one shot the boss um he jumped off the side to see the damage and it was 3.9 million damage in one hit so i honestly agree that certain things during contest mode should be disabled like peregrine greaves you know that that is something that should not be doing that much damage um, one two punch was disabled uh, certain other um, features if you upgraded a weapon um, I can't remember what it was um, off the top of my head but there was another perk that was dealing buku damage they disabled it um, and down to just the standard level so there yeah there's absolutely things that, uh, that are broken uh, the stasis glaive that that thing is broken as all heck Right now, it is super strong. I mean, you're going to wipe out an entire room with that, and you can essentially stun a boss and just keep digging at him uh, until he's, you know, until you beat him. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, turn him, turn him off for now. Absolutely, I don't mind that. I mean, how many times did yeah, Telesso no, break I, the I game? I totally agree with that too. I think anything that you know makes uh, for a more fair level playing field is definitely something that will benefit the game. Um, and especially for something like contest mode, you want to make sure that no one has an unfair advantage. Uh, so definitely all good things here. And of course, we do know that there will be one team that will win and there will be a, a world's first team to complete um, this challenge. You will have to complete all the encounters, loot the final chest and return to orbit to earn the world's first title and that will come with a really cool belt and uh some other perks that uh you can learn more about by visiting bungie.net uh and of course there's also a raid jacket that will be coming out uh to get the raid jacket it will be available to players who complete the vow of disciple raid by March 15th, 2022 at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And you have to place your order by March 31st uh, by visiting the Bungie store if you do want to get the raid jacket. And there's also a really cool emblem that you can get for completing the raid too. So uh, really cool things there. Uh, out of curiosity, will you both be uh, going for the raid jacket? I'll be going for the raid jacket. I don't know. Uh, I got to see what how much it is. Um, there's been some really awesome jackets in the past that I missed out on just because, uh, you know, they rivaled the cost of a toaster. 
Um, and specifically the one that <laughs> we're not going to talk about the toaster. for like <laughs> an absorbent amount of money. Um, uh, no, we're not going to talk about the toaster. Sorry, I didn't mean <laughs> to bring up stuff. Um, no, uh, I might. I like it. I like the inside of the jacket. It's really nice. And I don't know why I'm getting like 80s, like, you know, 80s windbreaker. Yeah, vibes off it, but I kind of dig it. So. Uh, I might go for it. Yeah, so it's I'm looking at the jacket right now, and there's one thing that's kind of making me um, maybe not want to get it, and that's the color of it. I'm not too crazy about the color. Yeah, I'm not really crazy about the tan color. The, the tan? Uh, that's what made me think of the 80s. <laughs> I really like how the jacket looks on the inside. It, it looks really, really cool on the inside uh i'm just not a fan of that color but the patchwork everything else looks really really cool uh, i might have to and it's only 150 bucks so it's not even that bad it's actually less than the statue hmm. yeah yeah but wasn't the last raids jacket wasn't that 160 and that was Fair. a full-on parka. Fair. Yeah. So you were getting a lot for 10 bucks more. You were getting a lot more bang for your bucks. That coat apparently is really warm. So $150, he's flashback, you know, kind of jacket. I mean, it looks like a three-season coat. So I don't know. It would all depend on how much you personally want it. Um, everybody's got their own personal preference. so. Uh, somebody might look at it and be like, oh, I, I got to have it and, you know, go all over it. There are some people that collect them. I know several people that have every I single wish I did coat. that. I, so, I, yeah, but I, I, I didn't. I didn't do that. See, here's the thing. I have every single collector's edition really? Destiny has ever released except for this one. Because, yep, because it sold out before I could purchase it on the same afternoon. Like it, it sold out disturbingly fast and I actually missed it. I was actually working. I was out of town and I was uh, doing some work and I saw it drop, had it open on my phone to purchase it, finished what I was doing and it was sold out already. So I missed out on it. I'm hoping they do a re-release. I signed up for it. So if they do, I'll buy it in a heartbeat. But that's one thing I do collect is one, all the lithographs they've ever released, uh, including the art gallery ones, and then also all the collector's editions. According to the Bungie store, they will have a re-release in March. So sometime this month. So keep an eye out. Uh, you might be able to pick one up. And I actually was able to get one on day one. Uh, it came with a really cool uh, Finch ghost uh, replica. Uh, and some really other uh, some other cool things that came inside. I think it came with like a little art book and patches and some cool things. Let me ask you this. Do you have the strange coin that released recently? Because I don't have this the most recent strange coin, but I do have the original one that a bunchy has a partnership with Amazon or Amazon Prime Gaming. And they do have some prime gaming rewards that you can get a hold of uh, for the hard light exotic bundle including um 
the Hardlight Exotic Weapon, the Lethal System Exotic Weapon Ornament, and the Azure uh, Exotic Sparrow, and a couple of other things that you can get. So if you do have Amazon Prime, make sure to check that out so you can get some extra bread. And Steam released a new device called the Steam Deck. And there was some controversy about that because apparently Bungie put out a post on the website saying that it wasn't compatible. And if players were to try to circumvent that incompatibility, that they could potentially be banned uh, from the game. So um, that was definitely something that uh, was in the news this past week. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like Bungie made a follow-up statement to that. Uh, here's what DMG had to say. Earlier this week, a help article went live, which contained information about Destiny 2 on Steam Deck. We'd like to provide some additional information as to why running Destiny 2 on SteamOS and Linux is currently not supported. Our goal is to maintain a secure environment for Destiny 2, as it features both PvE and PvP combat in an evolving dynamic world. Maintaining the integrity of our security is a complex and long-term process. In some cases, it means teaming with partners like BattleEye and following their recommendations. In others, it means choosing to not support platforms that could provide bad actors with ways of compromising our own Bungie development anti-cheat security system. As such, Steam Deck is not supported, um, and using the, the device will trigger our automated security systems to see usage as a potential threat to the community. Uh, while we investigate possibilities to support a new and future platforms, we do not have any information to share at this time. So the final statement is that the Steam Deck is not supported and you could get in trouble if you try to play the game on your Steam Deck. Any thoughts on this? Well, I can see what they're they're saying because they they can't assure that safety it's kind of sad because one i love my switch and being able to have the ability to play the console level games with the switch anywhere where i go is great so that's where the i see the the steam deck being that that bridge for pc gaming but i can also see where Bungie's seeing it so we yeah. don't know if someone's going to to find loopholes or ways to do things to the game that would give them an unfair advantage yeah no absolutely and i would say i i think for me I don't have any issue with the incompatibility. I, I think that it's totally acceptable for them to implement this feature if they cannot secure the game and make sure that it's fair for all the players who are going to try to enjoy Destiny. Uh, it would really suck if we try to use a Steam Deck 
and it would cause for a lot of cheaters to be able to get into the game and cause harm to our experience in the game, mm-hmm. right? Like if it adds cheaters to the game, then obviously it's not something that we want to experience and have be a part of the game. I will also say that um, in the initial statement that Bungie put out, I think their wording was a little bit harsh because they essentially said anyone who tries to circumvent this system will be banned. And that was all they really said without really giving further explanations, which I think definitely could have been communicated in a better way to explain the uh, decisions behind it rather than just saying, well, if you try to do this, you're going to get banned because we didn't get that explanation until today. So uh, I'm glad that Bungie did clarify this uh, in the update and gave us more uh, insights into their decision-making process. So hopefully sometime in the future, this does become a reality, but it will not be today. And of course, Bungie did also showcase Movies of the Week and Artists of the Week. And we got a new TWAP shirt that is available on the Bungie store. Looks pretty cool. And 10% of all proceeds go to support the Bungie Foundation. So if you're a Bungie fan, pick out a new TWAP shirt. And I think that's pretty freaking cool. I'm going to probably have to pick that up. Are you all going to pick up a TWAP shirt? I don't know if I'm going to pick this one. I might end up later on. It is a a pretty cool one, and it's kind of hearkening to uh, the investigations and trying to put all of the pieces together. And it's got yeah, a, I, yeah. It's a it's a running gag. I, I thought it was a really awesome shirt. But so I what got me to buy the shirt was Thursday is important. And, you know, we podcast on Thursdays, so it's like we talk about the TWAP. So it made a lot of sense for me to splurge and get the shirt. So I I did end up getting the shirt. Uh, Excited for when it actually arrives. I know it was a pre-order item, but very cool for them to do this. Uh, um, There's some text there, too, that can give us clues. And Guardians. Wow. What an update. We have, we do have a tradition on the show. Uh, we have a tradition where we rate the Bungie weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls between one and 10, or excuse me, one and five spicy tuna rolls, one being really bad and five being amazing. So between one and five, what would you rate this week's Bungie weekly update? Three and a half spicy tuna rolls. It was pretty focused on the raid and just the raid and any patch issues that they're noticing. So that's pretty standard there. Um, Having the information uh, for the raid was great, but outside of uh, those things, it seemed I was going to say somewhere in that area, I I was going to say like four. Just because, yeah, it's that same thing. It didn't give a lot new, but just mainly prepping for for Saturday. I have to agree with you both. Uh, you know, I think this update was more just straight to the point with information for the raid. Um, it's cool that we got the raid jacket and we got some really cool emblems and miscellaneous things that Bungie showed off. Um, I also really like the fact that 
they made a twap shirt. Like that's so freaking epic. Uh, so I'm going to probably have to give this a four out of five spicy tuna rolls just because of the extra stuff that we got in this update with the, uh, the twab shirt and the emblems that they showed off and the raid jacket. So I think that's really cool. And we did get the, uh, video that, uh, teases the raid. That was kind of cool also, but not a whole lot of information there. So I would say four out of five spicy tuna rolls for Cornholio and Guardians. Thank you so much for joining us. Guardians Mental Health is such an amazing organization. And I'm so, so honored that we got a chance to do this and hang out and a podcast together. So thank you both so much for joining me tonight on the podcast. It was such an awesome time with you both. And thank you. Thank you for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks yeah, for thanks having, for having us. us. It was an honor. Yeah, absolutely. And before I let you all go, where can the Guardians learn more about you and what you do in the Destiny community? Doc, you want to say it? Sure. Well, they can find us uh, on our website, uh, guardiansmh.org, uh, on Twitter, uh, at guardiansmh, uh, or they can. Um, join our partner discord server at uh discord.gg slash guardians mh very cool and guardians you can learn more about the destiny show podcast by visiting us on the web at destinyshow.com we will be launching a new website very soon and also you can find us here on twitch twitch.tv slash the destiny show you can also find us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. And you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and every platform where you listen to podcasts. Guardians, thank you so much for joining us tonight on The Destiny Show podcast. We hope you have an amazing evening. And we wish you all the best this Saturday as you get that bread and defeat Sabathun in the new raid so guardians thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you all next week good night everyone <laughs>